Hello and welcome to Everything Preacher. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. And Rob Adams. We're currently watching AMC's Preacher. It is over, season one. So tonight we're talking about the finale, Call and Response. Uh, we had a, a pretty heated uh, text thread going on earlier today. <laughs> So let's get uh, some general impressions out of the way. Keith, I feel like you had the most heat in that thread, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, you know, the last two episodes, I've been trying to make the case that I'm, I'm finally on board with what they're doing. And now I need to completely reverse that and say I am completely off board with what they're doing. And this finale didn't work for me and it actually retroactively undid most of season one for me. Mm -hmm. I still think the show is made extremely well. It's shot well. The, the acting finally got to me specifically the scene where, um, Jesse's mugging for Tulip as, uh, what's his name? I mean, I, I've even Carlos? forgotten. No, not 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 Carlos. The uh, Donnie. Donnie, as Donnie's explaining what happened to him and how he's mm-hmm. you mean when Jesse God. comes out of the shower? Yeah, the and when he's episode? sitting at the table, he just keeps like looking at Tulip and giving her like dumb grins, of, like mm-hmm. mm, shrugging his shoulders. I, that it drew it drove me crazy. This whole episode pretty much drove me crazy, and I did not like it. Okay, Rob. This episode made the whole first season worse. Justin, and we're gonna get to it. Ca- care to throw a defense <laughs> yeah, for, for the iceberg that sunk the Titanic? <clears throat> That's uh, basically what you're arguing for. Well, I'm not arguing for anything, so don't put words in my mouth. Mm. I would say that I did not reach the lows that you guys reached. But I am lukewarm enough on the episode that I have no desire whatsoever to defend <laughs> Do not it. to defense. Yeah. It's, I completely, uh, I, I, I agree to an extent. I mean, the mugging stuff is kind of like the campy nature, I feel like. So it didn't bother me. Although it is, you know, as we've talked about, it does have a little bit of a tonal problem. You know, unless they're just sticking with this campy tone they've set up in the past two episodes. But my my biggest issue was with the the practicality of the God scene and with the with how they uh just blew up Anvil. Mm-hmm. Did you guys um watch Talking Preacher at all? No. I didn't. I listened to the podcast, though. Not the, not the Talking okay. Preacher, but the Preacher podcast. Well, I watched it, and they had um, Seth Rogen and... What's the other guy's name? The one that isn't an actor. Evan Goldberg. Alex. Evan Goldberg. And they had um, Ian Coletti. And it, it was neat seeing Coletti speak and talk about Eugene. So that, that part was cool. Did they make <laughs> him wear his arse face makeup? Did he slobber he all throughout? He didn't. And he's a pretty handsome guy. He, yeah. And he's he's kind of like built like Popeye. It's, it's, he's got like this real big <laughs> right. upper body. It's, it's a little strange. Yeah. But got like a peanut head. <laughs> the other guys were like so happy and like with themselves, with what they've achieved. And, we, and after what I had just watched, it, it completely... It makes no sense. It's like a complete non sequitur. They're like high fiving about how great it was. But I just watched this finale and none of it made any sense. Well, it, uh, didn't, sure, it didn't feel great, it, right? I guess it makes sense, but, but you know what I mean? It's they kind of like undid so many things and they put so much importance on the wrong stuff. You know, the yeah. wrong stuff for me. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like think the Carlos scene gets so much play and is so heavy, th- you know, throughout the entire, I guess, I guess the entire series, you know, tool wants this to happen. It finally happens. And like, why did we have to watch that? 
I mean, for, for me, I think what I keep asking myself with this show after any kind of sequence is, okay, so am I supposed to have a emotional response to this? Am I supposed to just think this is funny? Uh, am, is it trying to tell me something or show me something about anything? Humanity, you know, morality, theology. And on, on all these scenes, like the Carlos scene is a perfect example. What am I supposed to take from the punchline of that? You know, like there, there's no moral kind of uh, perspective on that. You, you have included elements of the story like the uh, security guard who gets shot in the head by Jesse for no reason. Um, that now is, is just used as like backdrop for what they were up to back then, back in the bad old days. And then now today they, they're, they're conflicted about murdering Carlos. Like that rang so hollow for me. And I don't know why you would set your character up like that. Like, why would you literally cut from, Hey, remember the security guard he killed? To him now wrestling with whether or not to kill Carlos. And then at the end, he flips and he goes to kill Carlos. And then Tulip flips. What what kind of it, it, am I supposed to respond to that morally or on a character basis? If am I was I supposed to be on the edge of my seat for Preacher and then on the edge of my seat for Tulip as they flip-flopped? I, I it made it made no sense. It made no more like I had no idea how how I should take that scene. Was it supposed to be funny? And they just beat the crap out of Carlos. Yeah. No and they idea. give him a gun to make the fight fair. I mean, that's the humor, right? Like that. Those that, are the jokes that, that, that we're working with. That, I thought that was funny, oh. but the whole lead up to it was was stupid. It was like it's it spent so much time on that, and we have all this other stuff. Yeah, you know characters we care about. What we have to hear this Carl see this Carlos stuff, and I think that that she had the miscarriage right then and there. It's kind of like a low blow, you know, like lazy writing or something. Yeah, that, that's like, that's what I was so, gonna say. The whole thing is just lazy writing to me. The, right, the miscarriage, the back and forth. The it just is, just seems like lazy drama. <laughs> they had an opportunity to have you know a really strong female character because they're you know there's there's room for a strong tulip in this show and that's what we get it's just so it's wasted and lazy yeah i i agree i think this whole finale is wasted and lazy did you guys also feel like we missed an episode like yeah how did how did donnie so here's another good example right one of the <laughs> best sequences of the whole season was donnie sticking his head in the trunk and we all thought he shot himself, right? He was just making himself, losing his hearing so he could go take Jesse. So then what happens between that and then Jesse at his house as a guest, as a treasured, honored They're guest? Like, yeah, BFFs all of a sudden. And then Donnie is totally off Kin Cannon. And then Kin Cannon could care less. He's on he's now on his own trajectory that has nothing to do with anything that he's been doing all season long. Now he's obsessed with the God of Meat. He's obsessed with the uh, with God and this dichotomy, I guess, now. And um and then same thing with uh, Root. You know, Root wants Eugene, he's with Kin Cannon, he's not, Miles is dead. It, it just felt like not like they're moving pieces on a board. It's like they're just shaking the board and seeing where where the pieces end up. And then just being like, oh, look, Donnie and Preacher came together. So let's just write that. It felt like they wrote the first couple episodes and then a long time passed. And then they wrote the last. It, it, didn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't sync up for me. 
unless they they wrote themselves you know, sometimes they, they talk about writing themselves into corners right and then they <clears throat> excuse me then they have to get out of it did they do that here or was this the plan the whole time in the beginning you know with donnie's missing nipple and that kind of stuff and the level of detail at times it really seems like they have all this stuff in mind and they have a plan and a purpose but then this episode was so scattershot and with stuff that didn't make sense like the donnie stuff like you you were just mentioning the carlo stuff which is you know which i, I didn't enjoy and, and the the st- stuff toward a little bit later that we'll get into it seems like maybe they didn't have a plan and they were just like faking it in the beginning <laughs> i don't know well i think the plan i think the 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 problem is the plan itself the plan was to get them to the opening of the comics the problem is that they took a 10 hour long television series to get there and in that yeah. 10 hours, they established a lot of characters that, whether you like them or not, don't deserve to just be blown up. And in a methane explosion? And pronounced dead by a news reporter on a TV in the background. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like, I, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you a root. Like, he was a conflicted person. I don't feel bad about that necessarily, but like... Uh, to have a scene where a woman is trying to calm her three kids down <laughs> because of this weird experience in church lead right into the town blows up and now that whole family has been wiped out. That's a little harsh. What, what, what about the uh, mother smothering her daughter right. r- moments before uh, the methane explosion? I mean... Again, these are the things that that montage at the end is, I think, was the thing that pushed me over because Mm. I'm watching it and I'm saying, all right, it seems to me like some of these you're going for a joke, you know, like with the uh, guy and the woman of the night, let's call her Mm -hmm. Um, that obviously I'm supposed to be just like cackling at that scene, Mm. but then others are like. The mother smothering her comatose daughter, who preacher got to open her eyes, that then went literally nowhere, and she's devastated, and then they're gonna blow up. I mean, how am I? Am I? Am I? Am I like, ooh, really moved by that scene, and then laughing at the explosion? Or I, I just don't, I don't understand the intention. And I, I, I've said that for the first 15 minutes here. I'll try not to say it again. But that's, <laughs> what I, that's what the first season left me with, is what were you all thinking? What, what was your intention? Because it didn't come across to me. I feel like if they wanted to introduce these characters, get to the point that they got to with the finale in the diner, and see if it would work for television. They should have just done. And I know that Breaking Bad, I think Breaking Bad did this because it was because of the writer strike. Mm-hmm. But where the first season was only like six episodes. Right. Just do five or six episodes. Have us in the diner when Anvil explodes. But don't give us nine extra hours of time with people in Anvil. It just really feels like a, a I don't know, it, it, it feels, the AV write-up does a good job, I think, of sort of exploring this territory, where I understand completely why they did it, and I don't totally disagree, but it has made the rest of the season feel like a waste. Just pointless. Yeah. And especially with Kin Cannon, because even before the ending happened, the entire time I'm watching the finale, I'm thinking, I'm really surprised at how little they've given Kin Cannon to do in this first season and how much sort of potential he had. And then he's just dead. Like, <laughs> he's just gone now. And it's kind of like, feels like they really wasted that character. 
to just Fair have way. him, yeah, get blown up at the end of the season. So I really feel like they maybe should have just done like a mini series to set everything up. And even on the podcast, they talk about like this was a prologue. All we wanted yeah. to do was to get to that first, you know, panel in the. And the other thing they mentioned in the podcast that I thought was really interesting. And I'm also thinking like, how can you hear yourself say that and think this entire first season was a good idea is Seth Rogen is talking about. He's explaining basically everything that happens in the first season when they're at the diner up until that point when they get to the diner. And then he's like, you know, all of this stuff is explored in one or two pages in the comic book. Mm-hmm. I could have told you what happened in a minute. Right. And I'm thinking, well, why did you just spend 10 hours <laughs> explaining that then? Why did you well, spend 10 hours setting that up? Well, what's really funny is that he said the reason is because, and he used Game of Thrones as a reference, is that that's a show that established itself in a world that is understandable and relatable to ours. It just seemed medieval. And then, you know, two, three seasons in, you add dragons. And by establishing a real world, people are able to take that logical leap of dragons a little more in stride. But I can't believe that he thought (laughs) what he offered us was any like representation of the real world or a real preacher. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean that, that to me is, is Jesse conflicted by his, uh, about his past, you know, like, these are basic questions that I have no good answer to because if he's trying to run from his bad past where he literally would kill innocent people and where Tulip herself was ready to shoot a cop because she was speeding, right? If these are the characters that we're dealing with, then do you think the way that he would seriously atone is by printing off a plagiarized sermon and then preaching half of it in church on Sunday? Like, when, wouldn't you want him to show some effort, you know, towards that goal of redemption? But they don't give us that. It's, it's always this kind of middle of the road, like a, a, a head fake to Jesse wanting to redeem his past. You know, a head fake to how bad Tulip actually is, you know? Um, so I, I actually have hope in season two based on what I heard, which is basically like, yeah, it's just a prologue. I, I'm not going to speculate other than to say this. I feel like with Breaking Bad, you had a creator showrunner who was out in front of everything. He was talking about the show. He was directing episodes. He was writing episodes. All throughout the run of that show, Vince Gilligan was the head of the show. I don't think Preacher has that. And, and that, that, that's speculation. But it feels like it needs somebody to take the helm and say, I have the vision for this show. And I actually care about these characters. And this is the way it's going to be. Because right now it feels like committee. It feels like a show done by committee. Over maybe like what we were talking about before, just like conference call. Establishing exactly. like general movements of plots and people. Uh, exactly. It, yeah. it feels like Seth Rogen got it to this point, but no one has taken it forward. Yeah, or like he's not the guy to do it. Like maybe, maybe they, you know, I, I don't know who's behind the scenes. Maybe they need to turn it over because he's really busy with other projects. I mean, I just think that you need somebody who actually can answer full detailed questions on these characters because if you thought you were building a world of relatable characters or a relatable world that was not it what you gave us was not even close because the characters actions are so random you know their motivation is so ill-defined and how they relate to each other scene by scene and episode to episode it feels exactly like what you're saying Justin. Like something that was for a four episode limited series 
stretched out where you have like, so Tulip and Cassie have sex. That's going to cause problems uh, in season two. So let's have them have sex in like episode two. And we've laid that groundwork. Okay, what else do we have? You know, and then just trying to parcel it out that way. What about Tulip's uncle? <laughs> like he's dead now. Why even show him? <laughs> he got a lot of screen time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And there was that time where she ran down the street and cause someone took his pants. Mm-hmm. Like what, what does all that mean? If, if, yeah. if these characters aren't moving forward, then why do we have to spend this much time with them? Yep. Yeah. That's I think that's my biggest problem. I think, and I think too, they could have not to get too much into the uh, what could have been territory, but I think they could have preempted or post-empted. They could have avoided the NBA Finals. They could have avoided <laughs> the Game of Thrones final finale. They could have avoided all these huge television events that led to such poor ratings in the beginning, and just done like a hey, like after all this big stuff is over and we're uh, in a little bit of the summer doldrums, we've got a three-part miniseries. It begins and ends in the same place, but we don't have all of this filler in between that's completely unnecessary because the ending erases all of that anyways. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I think I get what they're going for. Like, Anvil is apparently supposed to be like a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, I feel like. Like you, there isn't a single character we we are introduced to, who you could not argue deserves to be blown up, right? I mean, even Emily sends a man unknowingly into his death, right? The mom suffocates her daughter. Like I I feel like that's that's kind of how it's trying to be justified. They don't really do a great job of that. But even in like a three part miniseries, you can have just nothing but unlikable characters Mm -hmm. because on the third episode, they all get blown up by a giant cow fart. Basically, you you know what I'm saying? It just is like, it just felt a little, it just felt wasteful. Mm -hmm. That's really, that was really my biggest problem. Everything leading up to the ending, I was all right with at worst, I would say. Even the church? Well, that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> the church scene to me was, I don't know if I need to go back and watch it, but my initial impression was was bad. It was really bad. Um, and this is what I'm a little confused by, my own feelings, I guess. I liked the, the content of it. I liked what they were going for. Uh, but I hated the way it was set up. I hated the video conferencing, just the way it looked, I thought was stupid and just like, it, like it, 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 the same, it's, it's the, it's the visual equivalent of having a char- characters go back and forth on their motivations five times. You know what I mean? To me, it's the visual equi- equivalent of Tulip saying, kill him. And then Jesse saying, no. And then Tulip saying, kill him. And then Jesse saying, okay. And then Tulip <laughs> saying, no, no. <laughs> right. It just is like lazy. It just is like you couldn't have put any more thought into this than literally a projector coming out of the phone. Like it just it looked bad to me. And so that threw me off from the get go. And it's not just that it looked bad. It just looked uncreative. Right. It just didn't look like they put a lot of thought into it. Which again makes you think like. So am I supposed to be laughing throughout this whole thing? Right. And the jokes that you get are the guy being like, can you reattach my penis? And then everyone la- and I'm like, wow, that's the- that's yeah. And that I don't find that to be a funny joke, but I do think it's funny that he's still carrying around a little cooler, a little cooler with, with his, his penis, penis in, it. in it. Yeah. It just is a funny touch, I guess. Uh, to me, it was like, that's yep. That's what like in their minds. I'm slapping my knee, rocking back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, from the moment that the thing connects through AOL dial up sounds all the way to him asking to have his penis reattached. I, I should just be rolling on the floor, you know, and uh, I, I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I have a slightly different take. 
it felt very Wizard of Oz to me. They were going for like a Wizard of Oz man behind the curtain vibe. So I'm what during this, I'm not laughing. I'm trying to figure out, okay, that's definitely not God. Got it. Well, who is it and why is it? And I thought it was interesting the way they went through and he's and they basically when he answered the question, I am, you know, isn't that a good enough answer for you? I was kind of bought in. I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of neat. Um, you know, it fell apart when, of course, when he didn't know, you know, about the power and, and um, mm. Eugene going to hell and stuff. Um, but then I was still trying to figure out, okay, who is this? And did, you know, the, when the angels came down, the agents, when the agents came down, angels, whatever, they dressed in those funny ways. Well, I think that, you know, they dressed up this, this version of God in a funny way because that's what we expected him to look like, you know? So I think it'll be more interesting when we actually see God, you know, what, what it's going to look like. Um, I thought it was like intentionally weird and off like that. And that the, and that the, the people in the church, you know, wanted so much to believe that they were just going with it. So I, a slightly different take than you guys didn't hate it yeah i i agree i agree with what you're saying that's why i said i like the content of it i I like him i like the answers he gave i like the direction it went in um and i think too i think all of that explains my problems with it you know it doesn't look good because it's not supposed to it's you know it's it's angels making up somebody to look like God <laughs> to right. what people would think God looks like sitting in a godlike throne. So it yeah. it shouldn't look good, but I don't know, something about the presentation of it just didn't it just bugged me a little bit. And maybe I'm not good at explaining it, but I just is something about it rubbed me the wrong way. Although I did really like for the most part, I liked I liked where it went. I thought some of the questions were a little. I thought they probably could have asked better questions. I think in God terms of the question, God puts you on the spot yeah. and asks you, "Ask me anything." I, my, I don't know what I, what I would ask, you know. So I think maybe some of that is like, what would you ask? Yeah, I felt you like know? they just went a little bit maybe too too much down the jokey road. Like, yeah, sure. Like the first thing you really hear somebody yell out is, "What did you do to the dinosaurs?" Right. It's like <laughs> that's not going to be the first question of someone who's sitting in church waiting for God to appear. Yeah, and and, and I'm, you you got your joke quotient filled when you get to the guy who had his dick shot off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I'm 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 withholding because I feel like my response is is particular in this scene where if i mean if you wanted to push at all at all theologically you you just had to put in maybe a minute more uh a, a, a minute's worth of thought more than they did to actually come up with something that might actually lead to an accidentally profound moment like you could you could have that, you know, and I guess that's what I was looking for. I mean, I'm not looking for a theology that I can put into practice in my life off of preacher. I'm not looking for like something that holds up, but I am looking for curiosity. And I couldn't help but think about The Leftovers, which is another show that we've uh, reviewed. and come to like really respect that show for what it's trying to do and the questions it's trying to ask and seeing that they've put a lot of thought into those questions. And then I just don't see why in a show like Preacher, you can't approach it with the same attitude. And I just have a feeling like with as talented as these people are, if they really were going after it, that we would have seen a lot more of it in this season. But we didn't. We saw a lot of unmotivated action. 
We saw a lot of confusing uh, developments. We saw, you know, 90% of the people we've spent 10 hours with wiped out in a, in a second. All for reasons that don't seem well thought out. They, they're just trying to get you to a moment. They're trying to get the three of them in a car driving away to go find God. That's what it was moving to. And I think that's, moment, what, that, that's what disappointed. The moment they're looking for is the same moment that we had issues with in the comic because they had this, this setup to ask interesting theological questions and instead they wanted to kick, kick God's ass. Right, yeah. And, and they, they weren't even interested in giving us a little bit, not even a taste of like, hey, are you, are you curious about the, the uh, relevance of God's existence in the world? Then we've got, you know, a little, we, we've got a little something to say about that. They don't, you know. God's gone. We need to get these three on the road. Write it. Get us there. And it, yeah. it just it just doesn't seem kind of I, I just I just don't see any passion in the way that I've seen in other shows that these people have been involved in. So one of the few things we get in the episode that is not completely wiped away by the methane explosion <laughs> is Fior returning from hell, uh, sans LeBlanc, DeBlanc. Mm. And I think that's follow. And then later on in the episode, uh, the saint shows up in the uh, rubbled anvil and presumably kills the angel, which the I think. Woman. The stunt woman, right, which I think is the other sign pointing to DeBlanc actually being dead. Because, um, and she doesn't respond. Right, right. But um, in the comics, what's the way that the saint is presented is that what he kills stays dead, right? Yes, that's his whole deal. Yeah, right, Rob. You can back me up on that. His his bullets never miss, and um, he always kills his target. That, yeah. That's his deal. That's yeah. his, his. So to me, that is, you know, DeBlanc is dead. The uh, Seraphim is dead. And the, how did you feel about, uh, how did you feel about the saint showing up and then just saying preacher? At, and that's the end of the finale. <laughs> Stupid. A little corny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, pretty on the nose. Yeah. I mean, again, again, it, it kind of, again, going into my idea of the writer's room. They turned off the lights. They had packed up their stuff. They were congratulating each other on a season well-written. And then somebody said, "Uh, should we have the uh, Santa Killer say anything? And somebody was like, I don't know. Why isn't he going to say preacher? (laughs) They (laughs) high-fived after that. They did. Yeah. and then they, they took a that long was the weekend. Most clever, awesome thing. And they left and they felt great about it. And furthermore, they went on TV shows and podcasts speaking about how great it was and how great of a job they did. And I can't believe it. Yeah, well, I mean, coming after the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention, I think, you know, seeing people get overly hyped about things that they have or have not created. Um or even had much of a hand in uh, it's, that's that pretty much fits with the mood of the last month. So that's pretty much it for season one. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like there's other things we could talk about, but at the same time, it's like they don't exist anymore within the show. Yeah. Like they've literally been wiped it's off. It's like how show. cool were know. each of their glasses <laughs> at the very end? Did you like their sunglass choice? <clears throat> but I'm curious uh, you know, and I'm sh- I feel like I already know the answer to this, at least for Keith. Rob, maybe you feel a little bit differently, but do you think you're going to be able to go into season two with a blank slate? I mean, s- minus the 
three main characters being established and the Saint of Killers, I guess, and Fior, five characters. So you're... I'm just curious if, if, if this, if the first, if the, how bad of a taste the finale left in your mouth, is that going to hurt your viewing of the second season? Or do you, do you think you'll be able to just be like, the show is more or less starting with a clean slate. I've still got these three main characters who are more or less representations from the comics. Let me see what they do from here. Yeah, there's going to be enough time that'll pass that I'm going to be curious and I'm going to be interested again. I'm going to I want to see Eugene, you know, mm. back again. Um I want to see what they do, where they go. Um as as tough as I've been on this episode and, and I guess on the season as a whole, I don't dislike it. I just didn't like where it ended up. Yeah. Um I don't know if I'm completely convinced that all those characters are going to be gone. It seems like they had good characters that I'd love to see again, but on the other hand, you can't put all those people in the same car. So I'm torn on whether, whether I feel as if it's really going to be them in the car, you know, going away, or if there's going to be something else established where we, where we get to meet some of those people again. Um, it, it, it feels a little empty and hollow if it's just these few people, mm-hmm. but, but I'm going to be on board. I'm, I'm going to see what's what, um, see where they go. Uh, a little disappointed that I guess some of the craziness from preacher that we were expecting, we didn't get to see. Um, hardly I'd any, like him, hardly anything yeah. happened this season. I'd like to see him push it a little that's bit. True, I think some pretty crazy stuff happens. I mean, you see a guy comparing his daughter's intestines to a cow's intestines. Mm-hmm. You see him in this episode; he's created a meat Baby. replica of his dead daughter. There's some weird stuff that happens. Yeah, but we we could see all that on Walking Dead. I wanted to see something we've never seen before. I wanted to see some boundaries pushed. Originally, that's what we were expecting. We were expecting them to really take this, take it different ways. Mr. Robot is using the F word. What if they used the F word? I'm not saying that that would have made the show better, but it sure is hard to watch Tulip in the hospital. Help my freaking friend. He's freaking bleeding. It's hard to like take anybody serious when they're saying that kind of stuff. Well, they do say shit, Uh, right? In this episode, I think they do. You know that um, from what I was reading, all of that stuff on cable channels is completely um, self-regulated. Mm-hmm. They don't have to bleep any of that stuff, but they do it because of advertisers. Yeah. But they're not regulated by the FCC to, to bleep out any curse words. But if there was a show where they could have broken that mold and went for it, yeah, it should have been Preacher. Um, we should have seen not meet babies, meet mamas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, back to your question. Sure, I'm gonna watch it. Um, I'm gonna rewatch a couple of these episodes. You know, over the next week or so, I think. Um, I don't think it'll change my opinion much. I'm definitely down on the finale, though. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Normally you're you're excited at the end. Do you remember how excited you were at the very end of the first season of The Leftovers? Maybe not Justin, but Keith. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. was like I was really excited. Yeah. I, I thought that, that was like crazy. Yeah. No, yeah. I the, Yeah. The, the, this show has made me like love the leftovers way more. In my memory, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that was a show that, like you said, Rob, like, <clears throat> to me, it's not just about, like, hey, what boundary can we push language-wise? But that that's fine if they wanted to do that. But what can we push storytelling-wise? You know, what can we do with this that has not been done in terms of the characters, in terms of... Uh, the questions that it's asking 
And the leftovers is asking very specific questions that hold up to analysis and actually, you know, cause you to think. And in a show where it's like they talk to God, or at least an impersonator of God, but people get to ask questions thinking they're talking to God. And you're going to hear somebody ask if God can reattach his penis and somebody scream about a dinosaur. And then everything else is going to not relate to, I mean, I even wanted Jesse to have a moment of like, one of my favorite films of all time, There Will Be Blood. The most powerful scene is when the, the main character who is kind of anti-God, he is against God, is forced mm. to have a conversion in a church. And the preacher's making him confess and convert in the moment um, in order for this guy to get what he really wants. And I, you know, I could have used that, right? I could have used Jesse actually maybe breaking down about the life that he took that I've seen repeatedly this this uh, season. I could have used... Uh, a question about the miscarriage, right? Well, Jesse should have asked about his father, right? Because Jesse's his under father. the impression that God killed his father. Yeah. So he should have asked why he killed his father. Yeah, and, and instead you get this, like, once God comes up, Jesse's, like, terrified. Like, he jumps back, he can't speak, and it's like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. What are we doing with this character? Because you didn't set him up to be acting this way in this moment. And then to be so unsure... And then he figures it out, but only based off of Eugene. He he went with it way longer than somebody who like has really been thinking about God. I think would have, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just felt like they're they're just like, oh, everyone's gonna be so, you know, amazed by what we're doing with the show. We have a vampire, and we're gonna show him God, and everyone's gonna be like trying to get their head around it. And instead they didn't actually like, that's not going to make me want to pause your show and take a second. What will is if you give me a moment that actually like is meaningful and instead you're just, Hey, watch this vampire, you know, attack these people on the plane and then watch them talk to God, not God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they're just resting on that image or that scenario to be enough to like knock me out. And it's not even, cl- it's not even close. I wonder if some of it has to do with the people actually running the show, not r- actually reading comics. Are they trying to turn this into a comic book version of, of television where, everything is larger than life and people aren't realistic. And and I know they were going for a certain campy aesthetic, but it feels like I don't read comics. This is what I know of comics. Let's make a show that feels like this, like kind of like when Ang Lee made the, the first incredible Hulk movie and, and flopped. Is it that CM Catlin or Caitlin or whatever has a, like a different under or a misunderstanding of what what comics are that that you can have people that seem real do you follow that line of thought no yeah the impression i've gotten of of catlin from the podcasts is that he is a um a a little bit of a glorified gun for hire on this project like Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg seem to be huge fans of the comic and of the property. Sam Caitlin, it seems like he was sort of looking for his show to take on, and so he went with this. I don't get the impression that he was a huge fan of Preacher to begin with and was like, I've got to get this made. I got the impression that it was like, hey, you want to do this thing with us? And he's like, sure. I'm looking to be the head guy on something, so I'll do this. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't get the impression that he's huge into the preacher comic. Just from some of the stuff he said yeah. on the 
podcast. Yeah, in 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 the la- last podcast, um, Seth Rogen was saying that he was talking to Sam <clears throat> Catlin about adapting this, and it se- he seemed to imply that for him, he's like storybook people will get this all in a page or two, a battle against heaven and hell, right? Vampire. But he's like, in talking to Sam for hours and hours, you realize like you need to stretch this out. You need to establish it. Right. It seems like Sam is the voice of like, no, let's slow it down. Let's kind of stretch it out. Let's develop these characters. And they're like the. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that take. That was my biggest concern in reading the comic. It was like after the first five pages, I'm thinking, how in the world do they put this on TV? I don't think you need a 10 episode long season to just get to that point. Like I said, I think you probably could have done it in three, four hours. And at that point you have to realize the people who are going to be on board with this will be on board at the end of it. And the people who are not going to be on board aren't going to suddenly be on board with six extra hours, right? Like you're either going to get their attention or you're not. This is the, the, the last thing I'll say, because um, I think I've said it before, but in in looking ahead at season two, okay, <clears throat> this is what bothers me the most. You have three characters, and the drama is going to come out of these three characters and their relationship, right? That that that's how they're setting it up. Everyone else is dead. Mm-hmm. There's no more bodies in the trunk. It's what happens between these three moving forward that's going to be a huge catalyst for the story. Right now, at the end of season one, we're left with three different characters who have all done despicable, horrible things, that, and they have never had to apologize for them, right? Miles, Carlos, and... It's countless. Eugene, the security guard, however far back you want to go with with uh, Jesse. In in talking to all these other people, like Cassie's trying to stand up for Jesse a little bit about sending Eugene to hell, sending a boy to hell. Right? What dramatic event is going to take place between these three that is going to trump like? Is is Cassie really going to get hurt by Jesse when Jesse sent a boy to hell and hasn't had to, like, own up to it to the father? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see what, what are their expectations for each other, the three of them, you know? Do they recognize that they're all three terrible people? So when they end up hurting each other, how do you, how do you like, what scale are you working with? Hey, Jesse. I know that you're the type of guy that sends a boy to hell and doesn't apologize to a father for it, but man, you really need to include me and you and Tulip's uh, relationship a little more, mm-hmm. right? What, what scale? The scale is so tilted. They've done such horrible things yeah. that how am I going to, like, wh- is Jesse going to get mad at Cassidy and be like, Cassie, I know that you killed an innocent mayor mm-hmm. but you need to lay off tulip you know what i mean it's like with a murderer being shocked that they're stealing mm-hmm. it's like you know well there's no accountability in this series we, we just gotta we just gotta go forward with that no one needs to be held accountable for anything and it's just situation after situation after situation and listening to Keith over the past few weeks talk to me about that kind of stuff with this show in particular you know it's about the characters and it's about the situations that's how we need to approach season two all right the last thing I want to say and I think this might be the only reason that I am uh, a little hesitant to completely write off the finale is that I thought the music selection of the episode <laughs> was really good. I'm with you on that. So I liked all the songs they selected except for the um, Johnny Cash song and the uh, Blind Melon cover. Yeah. I liked the Blind Melon cover. 
I'm, I'm just, a sucker. I'm yeah. I'm just tired of everything Slowed now. Down is, yeah, it's it's let's take this hit song, old song, and we're gonna contemporize it by really slowing it down and making it really, you know, like breathy and <laughs> dramatic, and it just is like. <laughs> I mean, every tr- every movie trailer is doing it now. Every TV yeah. show is doing it. It's just is like, and it's this. I feel the same way about the Johnny Cash song. I'm totally fine with that Johnny Cash song, but it's like, I can give you 50 examples of other properties that are using Johnny Cash songs. Like, do something different, like the uh, Rolling Stones song they selected. Even though it's the Rolling Stones, it's not a song you hear a lot in different things. Yeah, the Bowling Ball Blues. Yeah, that was a great pick. Yeah, you know it. I just, so overall, I really like music. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Everything Preacher. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Uh, We will be back next week with one last episode, wrapping up all of our predictions from the first season. Our website is eipodcast.com, where you can find the big board that we'll be pulling those predictions from, as well as uh, links to the other things we've talked about in this episode. You can follow the show on Twitter. It is at EI Podcasts. I am on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right. I'm at Shiny underscore Rob. Uh, Keith and I have our own podcast called Everything is Interesting that is on the shelf for a little bit. Uh, Subscribe if you would like a potential podcast to listen to in six weeks. Rob, you have a podcast? I do a podcast with my best friends. It's called The Best of Three. And um, we have a pretty positive episode coming up this week that I'm looking forward to take, to um, recording. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Here I tonight. Here I tonight.